What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode of the Unite Asia podcast. My name is Riz. In the news, what do we have? We have Korean metalcore band Remnants of the Fallen who've announced their second album and it should be coming out by the end of this year. Uh, this band has already won an award the last time they released a record, so this is going to be huge. Next, Runner, a Japanese power violence band, is about to release a new six-track EP. The band has promised that they're going to send us information about that. Amorphia, awesome Indian thrash metal band, have started working on their third album, and they've released their brand new logo. They're stoked about that. This next section is three bands from China that are blowing up. Number one, we've got our friends Shoot the Gun from Shenzhen. Now, this band has been super active. They've been around the scene and community for years prior to starting the band and then while their time in the band. They're the kind of people who are always in the pit supporting any type of band that comes through their town, Shenzhen. Then they get on stage, play their show, get off stage, and continue to support the band in the pit. They're amazing. They're such a great group of dudes. Uh, best dudes in Chinese hardcore, man. So for them to finally release their debut album is a big deal. I'm super excited for them. So check out their debut album. It's supposed to drop October. They've got two songs up already, and it's killer. Vocalist sounds like Ray Capo of Youth of Today, man. If that's your jam, go check it out. Next band is a screamo band from Guangzhou called Bennu is a Heron. They just dropped their debut album. They've got members of Shameless is a beatdown band, um, a punk band called Dai Chihuahua Dai that's also from Guangzhou, and an ex-King Lai Chi member is also in the band. They just dropped their debut album literally today, I think this morning, right before I started filming this. And then there's also a third band, Dummy Toys, that punk band that just released their album. It is so good. And we're going to talk about that in the United States. Unite Asia Picks of the Week. Last but not least, we've got Malaysia Stoner Doom Band called Berdoza. Their new album is finally out. We've been talking that up for weeks, so go check that out. Unite Asia Picks of the Week. Today, we've got three bands, two of them from China and one from Malaysia. The band from China, the first one that really blew us away is Dummy Toys. Yo, this... This band is insane. Street punk done properly, done right. Like, their sound is updated. The production on this record is insane. The full album's up on Bandcamp. You have to check that out. It's called Dummy Toys from China. Street punk, man. Beautiful stuff. Street punk girls! Next post that really got our attention is Shoot the Gun from Shenzhen, as I talked about earlier. Shenzhen band Shoot the Gun, been at it for five years. Finally, their debut album is coming out, and they premiered two songs off the debut album this past week. The first one's got like this dope Youth of Today vibe on the vocals. The second one's got this great, more emotional, melodic, hardcore, have-heart vibe. And it's so cool to hear both those songs because then it kind of gives you the idea that this record is going to be super diverse, man. This band, I know them personally. These guys listen to everything. They listen to all types of music, not just hardcore, but within hardcore, they listen to all, star, all types beat down heavy melodic hardcore emotional hardcore everything so this record when it finally drops in october is gonna be sick
band that really caught our attention is a Malaysian pop punk band called Night Skies and Visions. I think that's their name. Night Skies and Visions, but it's a pop punk band and it's just, wow, it's just done so well. So if you're into stuff like Paramore, you got to go check this one out. The record is, the song is great. The music video is awesome. The vocalist is just insane. She's got such a great tone. So go check that out. Reader's pick of the week. There's only one this time, so you guys got to do your work, man. There was nothing on Instagram. There was barely anything on Facebook. But the one album that someone picked out that was their top of the week, actually it wasn't this week, it was a while ago, was Billy Carter's album. Billy Carter from Korea, insane band. Perfect segue because that's who we interviewed this week. We interviewed uh, the guitarist and the vocalist of Billy Carter, Jiwon and Gina. And the interview was phenomenal, man. It was so cool to listen to two vo uh, two voices in an interview. It's the first time we've done that. It's usually just one-on-one, -on -one, but it was so cool because they just kept passing the mic around. It was so cool because they're, they've known each other for a long time. Clearly, they've been doing their band for eight years, but prior to that, they've already, they were already friends. So they just have a great relationship. You could see them just finishing each other's sentences, helping each other out. It was just such a cool interview. Uh, the beginning of the interview just kind of starts quite light. Right? They take us through their journey of how they found punk rock. Korea's got a massive punk scene. Like If you know anything about Asian punk rock, Korea, Korea's punk scene has been super active for decades. Even if you just do a quick Google search for Korea punk rock, you'll just see pages and pages and pages of interviews and, and scene reports and uh, tour reports and just so much about Korean punk rock is such a vibrant scene and community out there so it was cool to hear their story and how they got into it and how it really wasn't that hard for them to find punk rock in korea because it's just such a big part of the of korean life there especially in the underground then they started getting to a little bit more of of what we really appreciate in our interviews when they start talking about more personal things and to start talking about things that are quite you know important about things that are going on in Korea, their thoughts about misogyny, their, th their thoughts about gender identity, which is really the reason why we interview them because their album, Billy, uh, Billy Carter's brand new album, um, Push Us Away, has the a couple songs on it where the lyrics are so rad about my, bo my body, my choice. And it's just so cool because the band is really being as open, as candid as possible where they stand on these issues. So I hope you enjoy the interview. Um, it's great. Then once you're done listening to the interview, please go check out the description. I put a bunch of links of other interviews and articles written about the Korean punk scene. But please definitely go check out Billy Carter's brand new album. It's so good. Enjoy. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode eight of the Unite Asia podcast. 
Today, it's a really exciting time because I only heard about this band maybe a month ago when they dropped their brand new album. And I don't know how I found it on my social media. It was either on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, somewhere where I found it. And this band blew me away. I could not believe what I was listening to. I could not believe the video. I could not believe the vocals. I could not believe the guitar, the tone, everything about this band blew me away. So... Little did I know that if I sent out a couple messages to the members of this band, they were so willing to take the time to come and meet me and talk to me about their band and more importantly, how they got into punk rock in Korea. Ladies and gentlemen, today, the big, big, big honor of mine that I get to talk to the members of Billy Carter from Korea. What's up? Hi. Good to meet you guys. Nice. So I am so honored. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thank you for having us. Who do we have here? Yeah, uh, I'm G1, the vocalist of Billy Carter. I'm Gina, guitarist and also singing. Yeah, singing too. Also singing. Okay. <laughs> now, both of you, G1 and Gina, uh, what we'll do in this podcast is our audience is mainly people all over the world. And so normally a podcast is very American-centered or UK-centered or European-centered. So this podcast, we're trying to show the world how us Asians do punk rock, how us Asians find our way to hardcore. Because we didn't grow up in New York City. We didn't grow up in LA. We grew up in Seoul. I grew up in Hong Kong. So what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to ask you two, I mean, maybe you could take turns. How in Seoul did you find punk rock? There used to be a lot of punk bands. And yeah, it, it was kind of 20 years ago. Punk was kind of mainstream in the music and there was a big scene and there were so many good bands so 20 years ago I, I i can't imagine you were very old 20 years ago how how old are you yeah, quite yeah we're, we're old are you really okay 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 all right all right sorry my bad because 20 years ago i came to seoul and and my old band king Lai chi played a drug in hongdae yeah right Wow. So you're talking about, so 20 years ago, did were you already into punk rock then or were you listening to other kinds of music? When I was younger, I used to listen to like, um, you know, world famous classic rock music, metal music, like, you know, yeah, bands, you know. <laughs> but uh, one day I realized that there is a uh, like different style of music, like punk, which has, you know, yeah, it was very impressive because of its imperfection, not like metal music or other, you know. <laughs> and then I realized that uh, there is a punk scene in Korea as well. Like, as you say, uh, the drug, the, the clubs, Skunkel, and yeah, so many good bands, hardcore and 70s punk bands. And yeah, we started, I started um, coming around Hongdae to watch gigs. High school, yeah. High school. Yeah. So can I ask both of you, before you found punk rock, because I love the story of how people get into punk rock. Before you got to punk rock, you were already listening to like classic rock, like Guns N' Roses and stuff like that? Yeah. I love Metallica and I listened a lot. And It's so funny. It's so funny that people already find their way to punk rock through metal first. It's so interesting. Even for you guys in Seoul... 
Uh, you guys got into metal. Now, is that did you get into metal because your friends were already listening to it? How did you find metal? First time I listened to from radio, radio program, some very famous one, MTV and also television. So in Korea, you had TV and radio was playing metal? Matters and rock, rock and roll. Not too many programs, but I will interested in that kind of rock music. So I search it a lot. And Because that's amazing. In Hong Kong, we have no metal on radio or TV or anything. So for us to find metal, it's because of our friends. There was a small local record shop. When I was younger, and I used to stop by and listen to music. And there was a staff. Uh, he he was a metal kid, and he recommended so many good musicians. And but also he was into like all kinds of rock music. So yeah. What was the name of the record shop? I don't remember actually. <laughs> It's small and like something blah blah record, but yeah, it it disappeared. Yeah, because I don't think there are many record shops left in Seoul, right? Not many. I think I've, I went to one last time called Dope Records, right, by Kevin? Yeah, Kevin. That's a good store. I like that store a lot. So when you were first listening to metal, both of you, were you already playing instruments or were you just listening? I wanted to be a rock vocalist. So I listened to like some vocalists who got some voices who I want to be like. Uh, Mr. Big or Skid Row. Yeah, that was the reason. Skid Row? Yeah. You- <laughs> <laughs> wow, you've got some good vocals, man. You can sound like Skid Row. But so when you were first listening to Skid Row and Mr. Big, you in your brain, you were already like, I want to be that. Hannah, yeah. Wow. How about you? I loved it. The same bandages and I played the guitar When I was middle school, I'm, I'm trying to I pretend to play really fast one. Like Jimi Hendrix and I did, uh, Jimmy Page. Yeah, Led Zeppelin. Yeah, was really, really, really loved. So that kind of music a lot Yeah, when I was young. So how old were you when you started playing guitar? 14. And so when you were 14... Were your mom and dad, were they like, yay, good for you? Or were they like, don't do it? <laughs> like, they thought about just hobby. And first time I bought just acoustic guitar. So they didn't know about the rock music. I just thought it's play really soft and melodic, calm, calm music. They, they thought, but I played and practiced really rock music using acoustic guitar. So... And then I bought electric guitar. But at home, weren't you listening to Skid Row and Mr. Big? Your mom and dad must have heard it, right? We used earphone. <laughs> Now, for Mr. Big and for you know uh, Skid Row, were you guys listening to CDs, cassettes? What were you listening to? CDs. CDs, and it was easy to buy back then. Yeah, there was a uh, the record shop I mentioned. Oh. Uh, They've got like old records, old CDs. and With all this music that you've got, right, and you're learning to play guitar, were you two friends in high school already or did you meet each other later? I'm from Busan and 
Jiwon from Seoul. So we met in university. Oh, okay. I've been to Busan too. Busan's awesome. There's a great band and a great club, Club Realize. Good place. When you're going back to like your childhood, right? You're thinking about you're playing guitar. You want to sing. When you're playing guitar, you're hiding it from your mom and dad because you're playing acoustic guitar. Were you hiding it from them because they didn't want you to listen to rock and roll? Or what What was the problem? They don't like loud music and they didn't interest in that kind of music. So you, so you hid it from them. <laughs> So did you start playing any bands then? Like so seven fourteen years old you picked up the guitar. When was your first band? And I was maybe sixteen. Yeah, sixteen I started some weird band called Medusa. Yeah, really matter rock, rock music band. <laughs> and and by then, by sixteen, your mom and dad must have known you were playing, right? Didn't know that. Yeah, didn't care and didn't know that about bands. So they didn't know that. Yeah, I think. <laughs> right now, right now, we're still focused on metal, right? So when you first heard of punk rock and hardcore, did you see a show first, or did somebody show you a band first? For me, uh, I I listened to um, the Sex Pistols for the first time, and before them. I didn't really think punk is my cup of tea, but <laughs> but uh, I, I found out that uh, I liked the straightforwardness of punk music, and I fell in love with uh, 70s punk. And after Sex Pistols, um, yeah, I started digging some old punk music, and my favorite, my ongoing favorite band is The Clash. Legends. Now, with your when you first heard Sex Pistols, and you're just like me. When I first heard punk rock, I hated it. I hated punk rock because I was a metalhead, and I like riffs. I like more complicated beats and stuff. But I love what you just said. You also earlier said you like the imperfection of punk rock, and that's the best part about punk rock and hardcore. It's not perfect, right? It's not perfect. It's just a bunch of people who have something to say. Give me the mic because I want to tell you how I feel right now. That's the best part about punk rock. But when you heard Sex Pistols, did somebody give it to you or did you watch it on TV? How did you find the Sex Pistols? I already knew the name of the band, but actually I liked the, the design jacket of the CD. It was the colorful uh, graphics. Yeah, I liked it. And how about for you, uh, Gina, where, how about you? When did you first hear punk rock? I think on television, yeah, Korean band, Crying Nut, No Brain, Dead Days, and Hippie Band. Yeah, I think started from Korean indie punk music. Yeah, and then I listened Bandits, Sex Pistols, Clash. But that's so cool that for both of you, it's a different way to find out punk rock. You, you heard the the international bands first, the overseas bands first. You heard Crying Nut and No Brain, and Crying Nut is fucking amazing. I love that band. So when you saw Crying Nut, was it because you could see Korean people on stage playing this music? What was so special about seeing that on TV? Oh, uh, it's lyrics. It's first time I listened. Shut up, one doctor, doctor. Yeah, Mardalija, Mardalija. That lyrics really, that is strictly 
through my heart. So I really interested. And then when I was middle school, so going to some festival, want to see them. So, <laughs> but that's so cool what you just said. It's because Crying Nut was singing in Korean. Oh, yeah. So when you heard those lyrics right away, it touched your heart and you wanted to know more about it. See, it's so important that people sing in their own language, right? Um, so back to you, Jiwon. Uh, when you had the Sex Pistols then, and you said first you didn't like it that much, but then you liked the imperfections, and then you liked how straightforward it was. By that time, had you decided that you wanted to get into punk rock, or what were, what were you thinking at that time? Well, so I can say punk is the, you know, my favorite uh, kind of music, but I, I don't really recall myself as a punk rocker. I think mm. I'm a blues singer with, uh, with the approach of punk. I love punk music, but I'm, I don't really know what punk rocker means. Uh, is it attitude or is it music? Is it the style or is it fashion? I love punk outfits as well. And so, yeah, some people call us blues rock band. Some people call us punk rock band, but um, just I love the way they, uh, the punk music expresses the feelings and things they care about. I mean, I know that when I listen to you guys play and when I did my research, I did my research, every website calls you guys something different. One called you blues rock, one called you post-punk, one called you new wave, one called you rockabilly. I was like, in my head, I was like, that means you guys are that good of a band. You're creating your own style that people don't know what to call you, right? And that's the beauty of Billy Carter. Really, honestly, when I heard you guys this summer... I, I don't know why I had not heard you guys before, but when I heard you guys this summer, I was blown away. I could not believe how good of a band Billy Carter is. And you're right. Like when you hear you sing, you have a soulful voice. It's a very deep voice when you sing, but you are so punk rock. Your lyrics are so punk rock. And I, I agree with you. I think punk rock will always be an attitude. Yeah, I think so too. So with Sex Pistols then, you know, because I think Sex Pistols is really like, you know, musical. They have a, you know, they have an aesthetic, right? Their clothes, the way they dress. Um, was there any punk band that really touched you and you're like, oh, now I love punk rock? Well, you know, Sex Pistols, Sex Pistols can be gateway for everyone who start listening to punk music. But um, yeah. As I said, I love The Clash and Patti Smith, uh, she gave me so uh, much inspiration. And these days I like the Idols from yeah. UK, yeah, Idols. Their, their new album is so, so good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the reason I'm asking that is because when I first heard punk rock, like you said, I didn't really like it, I wasn't very impressed. And then also when I heard hardcore, I wasn't very impressed until I saw hardcore with my own eyes. So what was the first punk show you two saw? Um, I, I went to a club called Skunk Hill. There were so many punk bands playing together. <laughs> right. It was really cheap. I saw uh, so many <laughs> Korean punk bands there and I'm not going to mention the band names because I don't like them anymore. <laughs> 
But anyway, yeah, the show was great and it was funny. Uh, everyone were, was uh, jumping around and diving one by one. And yeah, it was was good. And uh, do you remember the festival, Rebellion Festival? We went to Blackpool together. Yeah. Oh, in, in the UK? Yeah, in the UK. Uh, it was really impressive oh, okay. that uh, we could see uh, so many fathers and sons coming together and whole family coming together with with uh same color of hair and old punk uh jews and skin people there are enjoying uh generation by generation right so let's go back to that show that you're talking about in korea and i know that you don't want to name any bands because you don't like them anymore because you're so punk rock <laughs> um that was your first show did someone, like a friend, tell you to go watch it? How did you find out about the show? I, I, I didn't really have friends who had same taste. So I, I, uh, it was not really far from my house. So I came to gig and they didn't have advanced tickets. So I just paid on door and <laughs> got into the club. And You went by yourself? Yeah, alone. Wow, you're so punk rock, dude. I looked really old, so it was... <laughs> <laughs> I smoked inside a club. <laughs> How old were you when you saw your first show? High school? It was like, I think, 16. Okay, so 16 was the first time you saw a punk show, and it was a local Korean show with Korean punk bands. Yeah, I couldn't go abroad to see punk gigs yeah, yeah. <laughs> at that time. Right, right. But do you so you're saying that when you went inside you did see moshing and stage diving and people are having a good time and did you get like a were you impressed by that were you did you want to know more Yeah of course it was it was really it was awesome uh you know making bruises all over your body it was Yeah it was good <laughs> <laughs> How about you Gina what was your first punk show Maybe mine. (laughs) (laughs) Your own band. Yeah, my band played. So, the first time went to Skunker and first time met some, what is, Hongdae areas, punk scenes, people together. Yeah, it was fun. How old were you when you went to Skunk Hell? Maybe 20, around 22, one. I was in Japan, so I didn't know about the Seoul's Hongdae scenes. So it was so beautiful and really excited. So how did you find out about the punk show? Yeah, my friend also really loved punk scenes. He know he knew he know about yeah venues a lot. So he had a, a lot of friends in there. So we just. So your first punk show was for your own band. And by that time, were you already living in Seoul? Yeah. Okay. And what was the name of the band? Kick Scotch. Kick Scotch. Okay. And what kind of punk rock? Garage punk rock, I think. Rock and roll. Okay. Yeah, cause, I mean, I think in Korea, like you were saying earlier, Jiwon, the punk scene was so big 20 years ago. You guys had every style of punk rock. I couldn't believe it. Like you had like the ska punk, you had the melodic punk, like more like no effect style. But then you also had fucking bands like Crying Nut who are just their own style. And it's so cool. So for you, Gina, your first punk show was at Skunk Hell for your own band. <laughs> and 
what was your what was your feeling? Were you nervous about it? Uh, how did you feel about the show? I was drunk, so what's so fun? <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, just fun and really excited. Yeah, a lot of different people together, so surprised. I think uh, is Seoul's uh, punk scene is just so inspiring. I mean, I think you saying Jiwon earlier that the punk scene now is not as big as it was back then. Is that right? It is, but. Uh, yeah, old punk bands are gone, except some famous ones like uh, Crying Nut, No Brain, and so on. But one good thing is, cross punk is huge. Yeah, it's getting yeah bigger, and they try to make their own things. And yeah, it's all DIY, and they play uh, not only in Seoul or Korea. They try to. Um, yeah, I have a tour a lot um, in other Asian uh, countries and Europe and yeah. And also uh, there is also a DIY ska punk club, uh, which is yeah trying to keep punk going on. <laughs> really? So now with the crust punk bands, are you talking about bands like Slant and stuff or what kind of bands are you talking about? Yeah, Slant. We love Slant, the Slant, and they're good. And have uh, Scumlate. I love Slant. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, you're right. I think I think I also hear a lot more of the raw hardcore, raw punk rock coming out of Korea, which is so exciting because right now uh, the rest of the world loves progressive metalcore, right? They love metalcore and everything is so clean and so precise and perfect that when I hear bands like Slant, I'm like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Finally, some something real. So for both of you, one thing I know that's super special about punk rock is not just the music, but it's the mentality, right? And the heart and the attitude. And I know in Seoul and Korea, there is a very strong DIY culture where people are just like, I'll make my own shirts. I'll print my own CDs. When did you first learn about the DIY culture? As soon as I started listening to punk music, um, yeah, you know, there were some internet community uh, working on making their own punk outfits and because, you know, imported punk clothes were so expensive. <laughs> so they had to make right. their own bandage pants and uh, shirt. We just, just really yeah, loved punk, so maybe we just naturally learned about the DIY. We want to make our t-shirt, CDs, and recording things. And cheaper. Yeah, more cheaper. <laughs> because I, I know when people learn about punk rock and stuff, uh, they usually read a lot of zines, you know, like the black and white zines, like the underground magazines. Uh, were, you guys, were there any Korean punk rock zines uh, when you guys were growing up? There were some fanzines uh, made by some friends who used to come to gigs. Now, with Billy Carter, um, I think it's so cool that your music is so, you can't say what kind of music it is but the thing that really stood out to me was all the the lyrics and the message behind the band 
So when you first started Billy Carter, uh, I know your newest album has got all the stuff about LGBTQ rights in it, and it's got stuff about gender equality. When you first started Billy Carter, did you already want to do that, or were you just a musical band? Well, we got uh, inspired by so many different things, which comes from sometimes, yeah, we want to say something inside us, and sometimes we want to make a feedback from the issues from the society or the world, but I think we we uh, we were more more focusing on ourselves when we started music together. Yeah, saying about things, what we feel and what we think. We we used to use the language of poetry. We wanted to make it sound more like poetry, but uh, we realized that we need to be more clearer to say yeah directly to make people see what we want to say so this album will be like more straightforward than before and when you first started you guys were just an acoustic band is that right started in london so yeah we made bands we wanted to travel around in europe and we need we needed to uh, make some money by basking (laughs) so it was a yeah, a project band to make some illegal asking money. <laughs> so you guys created a band in order to survive. <laughs> so when you guys started the band in London, you guys were just thinking it was going to be a project band. It was just going to be you guys traveling around Europe, um, uh, raising money by busking. When you brought the band back to Korea, did you think about we will continue this in Korea or were you like, let's go back to Korea and let's see what happens. Uh, I think uh, the, the band was for traveling and, you know, it was, we didn't have um, like serious mind or something about the band because, you know, she plays the guitar and I sing so we can make a band um, while we're in London. Yeah, it was easy going. But after we came back to Korea that uh, we realized yeah, there were some people who wanted to listen to us and yeah, we became to have some more things we can uh, put in our music. So we decided to keep playing together. That's so cool. So when did you guys start in London? What year was it? It was the Olympic. 2012. Wow, 2012. So, you, so your band's been around for eight years. And I only heard you guys this past summer. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So 2012, you started in London. You were in London for one year, right? And then you came back 2013. And then from 2013, did you guys change it to include more members? Or is it... Because I know now you've got two other members in the band. But back then in 2013, were you a full band already? We're working on uh, just two of us uh, in 2013, but Gina uh, told me that she needed to, yeah, she wanted to make some uh, more noises and she wanted to use some different effects and sounds. So, yeah, she realized that she needed drama. Now, if we fast forward, because I know you guys released, I think it was an EP and you got awards for it and you guys were like, didn't you get uh, some awards for that EP or something like that? Or uh, The red one first. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. 
<laughs> so punk rock, you're like, I don't know. Maybe I got an award. I don't know. So let's fast forward to the new album because like Jiwon, you said, on this new album, you really wanted to be much more direct with your lyrics. You wanted to be more direct with the band. Can you tell me just why did you choose to do that? Uh, before this album, we released double EP, uh, which is which are called uh, The Orange and The Green. And those two EPs were about... Uh, actually, yeah, we put our, our messages already uh, through, that two, through those two EPs about, you know, living in the society and the death and discrimination and stuff. So all those stuff we wanted to tell, but uh, it was more like poetry. Uh, the music was emotional and very melodic and the lyrics was like, yeah, poet, poems. But we, then we realized that people don't get it. They just mm. felt, um, yeah, maybe I misunderstand them, but it felt like people just see our music as just beautiful and experimental music, but it wasn't. Uh, that um, before we made this album, we talked a lot about uh, things like that. We want to make people understand uh, that we have to make it simpler, clearer, and more direct. And that's why we, we made this album. Don't push me. <laughs> Yeah, even the title of the name, the title of the album is so direct. Don't push me. It sounds like a hardcore band. But I think you succeeded then. I think you succeeded very well because the lyrics are so direct. My hair, my choice, my face, my choice, my clothes, my choice, my body. Uh, I remember pl- putting on the first song. It's got such a cool driving riff and it's got that bass line in it. It's such a cool song. And then as you keep listening to the whole album, you're like, oh my God, what are these lyrics? I remember, I think it was on your band camp or somewhere. I was looking and I started looking at all the lyrics. I was like, oh God, this band is so good. So when you're thinking about this album and you want to be more direct, that means you must have a clear idea of what you wanted to sing about. So what are the topics that you really want people to understand? Well, it's really hard to say, just choose only one topic because so many things are going on at the same time. Um, But mostly in the album, yeah, we wanted to say something about uh, weak, we experienced and uh, we could feel um, by ourselves. Like, as you see, we are female musicians uh, in South Korea. We are Asians and we're in Korea. We can see some people from uh, different countries working here, traveling here. But uh, Korean people, I don't think they're fully open-minded yet. And being a being a woman, being a female artist here, it's something too. Uh, and about the sexuality and gender identity stuff, uh, people don't really want to see. Uh, there are people who are different, who can be different. Actually, all the people are different, but people don't want to see the difference uh, between 
me and some other people. So, yeah, uh, we think and talk about uh, anti-discrimination laws, um, which is not here yet, and um, things like uh, abortion laws. Wow. Yeah, because I mean, I know that Korea is a very Christian society, so it's very... Uh, yeah, I don't want to say it. like it does seem like it's not as open-minded, as liberal, as progressive, as as maybe Taiwan. Like Taiwan has you know the the gay rights and, and you can get married there in Taiwan. It's very amazing. Hong Kong, it does not have it. Hong Kong is also very backwards. So with the with this music and with your lyrics, are you worried that society might not appreciate what you have to say? Has people have people argued with you guys? Don't care. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it's so powerful for you two to have this voice and to use your platform because people like your band. So you can get on stage and now you're so clear with what you want to sing about, what you want people to think about. And then so that they can try to at least have some time to digest and process the information. And so you're like, I don't care whether or not you like us. I'm just going to use this opportunity. We care. We care about uh, things we have to say. Yeah, that's important. So I know there might be some people who hate us because of our lyrics or our performance, whatever. But still, we also know there are some people who feel the same as us with our lyrics, who can have, um, you know, who, who can feel the solidarity and who can feel power and who can feel they're getting stronger with us. Yeah, it'll be the most important thing for us. So That's great. I mean, that's what you want to do. You want to be able to provide some hope and some a feeling of like you're not alone. You've got other people that believe in you. Because like you're saying, um, uh, LGBTQ people, they're fighting a lot of things inside their heart. Right, they're probably hiding things from their mom and dad. They're hiding things from their friends. They're like, if they find out the true me, they're gonna hate me. So there's so much like, just negative feelings. And so you're saying that now that I've got, we've got this music and we've written these lyrics. Hopefully, when someone hears it and is LGBTQ or is a woman or a minority or some a different race, when they hear this music, hopefully they feel more power inside. Right. Right. IKEA Korea. You know, they made uh, echo bag kind of thing, basket, uh, shopping basket kind of thing uh, internationally. And it's rainbow colored. Uh, it's written, uh, written like LGBTQ plus and yeah, we all support kind of thing. And in Korea, IKEA Korea, they changed the word. Like they removed the word LGBTQ they just write, uh, uh, they just wrote all people. We have to care about all people. Like, it sounds like all lives matter. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. It made us really upset and angry. And that is the uh, sad, uh, situation here, I think. So in Korea, do you think it's because it's a very Christian society? Or is, what, what is the reason why they're so not open to LGBTQ? Yeah, the, the Christian thing is huge, but also uh, not only about Christian people, but there are some people uh, who believe 
it's natural to be cisgender heterosexual it's like uh beyond the god it's they think it's just natural it's surprising because from the outside, when you're looking at Korea, it looks like such a modern place, right? With the, with the phones and the machines and the cars, they look so modern. But if you're talking about Korean culture. Korea is kind of young country. It's only like just more than 70 years old. So I think people need to study more, uh, think more. And we should too. Yeah, we have to learn more. Now, you also said earlier that as women playing punk rock in Korea, um, that can be a problem sometimes too, or no? I, I cannot see any problem uh, being a female musician. Just um, the problem is there are so many talented, good female musicians, but uh, still a lot of people want to uh, objectify female musicians that is one problem and uh still there are more uh male musicians in this scene and i don't know they've got kind of strong connection inside their mind like um senior male musicians they want to uh they try to make younger male musicians to grow bigger but they don't really, um, I don't think they really care about female musicians. We found we need to make strong connection between female musicians as well because we're less, but still there are so many talented, good musicians. So we have to express ourselves by ourselves. Also, there is a, a things going on like um, since a year before last year, we're making uh, female musicians from different genres, uh, making shows and making conference, networking party. And this year, uh, there is a band called Ego Function Era. Um, the front woman of the band Ego Function Era, she is making a compilation uh, full of female musicians. That's that's cool though. That's cool that the female musicians are finding it that it's this is the time to bring you all together. This is the time to bring you all together and strength in numbers, right? The more there are, more of you guys that are working together, the stronger you look to other people. Do you think with all of you females coming together that you will then be able to change the situation in Korea or no? We have to change the situation in Korea. Yeah. Try. We're trying hard because, um, yeah, not only about female musicians' career, but you know, still there are so uh, many, you know, sense of misogyny all over the world. Mm. Not only in music field, but I think it's uh, it's not personal. It's all connected. Music field, any other art field, and. Uh, creators, musicians, artists, everyone. So we need uh, we need to uh, band together to make the situation better because there was a Me Too movement a few years ago in uh, music scene in Korea as well, but it's it got just disappeared. In order to be able to combat 
this misogyny that's part of Korean culture. We need to band all the women together to be able to battle it. You can't battle it. One one woman over here, one woman over there, one woman over there, right? The society, the male society is so strong that you. the only way to fight that is if all of you came together. Right. Are you talking about that end room thing? That was a... That was a big thing in Hong Kong also. We found out about the end room in Korea and it was crazy. And what is this end room shit? Uh, it makes us emotional. You know Telegram? Yeah. yeah uh, it happened in Telegram. There were some uh, people who made sex tapes. Actually, it's not a sex tape. It's, um, it's raping tapes. It's, it's like snuff. Yeah, yeah. Literally, it was snuff because it was not only raping. They, uh, they tattooed young ladies' body and there's some, you know, their vagina and tits. They wrote things like slave and they filmed and they raped some young kids and they filmed and they shared uh, to so many people yeah they they bought the 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 videos they took part in um the chatting room to share um yeah they filmed it watched it spread it that's fucked up that's very fucked up so is when that happened what happened in korean society did everyone yeah, there were so many people are raising about the, the issue and uh, we tried, um, people uh, made a statement, uh, sent it to the, the Blue House, uh, to, to the government and uh, yeah, there were so many demonstrations uh, yeah, to punish those people, uh, rightful punishment. But actually the, the, the head criminals of all those issue, they got only like one or one and a half year sentence in the jail. Fuck. It's, it's not done yet. Oh, it's still going on. Because, you know, after that, uh, that case, people realized, some bad people realized that, oh, you can earn so much money from making snuff raping videos using using harmless young young girls and boys we can make so much money but we don't have to pay for it because one year in a jail you know it's nothing so it's ongoing problem wow that's crazy i thought it was finished i thought that end room stuff because it was a even in hong kong it was all over the news it was such a big problem in hong kong when we heard about it too how long ago was it? Was it two years ago? I think. Yeah, it was. It was late last year. And really sad to hear that that shit is still going on. Like you're saying, like the bad people, the criminals, the pieces of shit in Korea who are who are like, oh, we can make a lot of money from this, are fucking it up and are continuing to do this dumb shit. It's crazy. It is crazy. It's mad. I'm wondering, is there anything else that you want to talk about? Well, actually, I want to ask uh, ask you about the situation now there um hong kong is totally fucked it's a totally fucked city right now because 
everything that happened last summer from June, July 2019 until now has completely changed Hong Kong forever. Hong Kong will forever will never be the same that it used to be. So Hong Kong used to be a very free place. We could say what we want to say. We could sing what we want to sing. We could read the books we want to read. Right now, uh, the government has taken books away from the library. Uh, if we hold a flag up, the government will come and arrest us because we're holding the flag. Just because the flag has eight characters on it that now the government says that's against the law. Um, people can't sing the w- things that they want to sing. The government is going to go inside schools and change all the books inside the schools so that the children don't learn about the things that we all know about. So Hong Kong is is in a very, very dangerous place right now. And we don't know. We don't know what will happen in Hong Kong. Sorry. It, it's okay. I, you know, the, the thing is the Koreans have been very supportive of Hong Kong because you guys went through similar things when you were changing to democracy. So Japan, Korea, and Taiwan always sent Hong Kong people uh, support, lots of love, lots of encouragement from Korea. There's even an Instagram account that says something like stand with Hong Kong. It's all Korean people like holding, because this is our symbol. Five, five demands, one hand like this. So w- there's photos of Korean people doing that. It's so touching. It's, it's really sad that... Okay, G1 and Gina, thank you so much for your time. We spent almost a whole hour... No, we did. We spent a whole hour talking about you know, uh, punk rock in Korea, how you two got into music, how you got into music in Busan, you got music into Seoul, how you guys came together in London and how great your band is and how important your band is because you're singing about things that people need to hear. People need to hear about the things that you're singing about. So my heart goes out to you, more power to you guys. I will support you guys forever because you are such an important band. But at the end of this interview... I would just like to give you guys a chance to just say something that you want to say to the audience, to people of Korea, to people around the world. Thank you for having us. And I hope people stay safe at home. And I uh, wish we all can learn more and see things which we didn't want to see, but which exist Koreans have really, really good internet, so we can see every word. <laughs> anyway, stay at home and safe. And I hope we're going to meet soon on show together. Yeah. Thank you very much. Good luck with everything. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. That's it for episode nine. We'll be back next week. And next week, it's episode 10. So we've made it to our first double-digit number. And both Nico and I decided to go pretty big with this one. So we hope you come back next week. The interview's already done. It's a really, really special guest. So we're stoked to show you that episode. Have a great week, everybody. Peace. Look at what we've been through.